So now I want to start tonight with Matthew 6, 10. This has kind of been a foundation scripture for quite a while because the Lord spoke to us, uh, oh, it's been maybe a couple or three months ago. We were seeking the Lord for what is, uh, what is the vision for Victory Center? You know, we know what our mission statement is. It's to embrace, equip, and empower uh, everyone that comes into this place. That's what we're, our mission statement is. But uh, the staff kept asking me, what is our vision? And I said, duh, embrace, equip, and empower. And they said, no, we mean the vision. And I was confused. <clears throat> But the Lord began to, to uh, speak to me, and I began to get a little clearer vision of what they were talking about. They needed to know what, our, what we were going to do, what, what we look forward to, what we're getting ready to establish, what it is. And, and the Lord uh, then began to talk to me about uh, establishing his kingdom. And uh, it's one life at a time. Step, uh, step, establishing his kingdom, one victory at a time. Then I taught a whole series on establishing his kingdom or building his kingdom. Uh, actually, it's the words that we use. Building his kingdom, one relationship at a time. So I taught a series on relationships. So uh, Sunday, I picked up on the kingdom prosperity because uh, there's a whole lot in the kingdom of God that we need to find out about because that's what we're building. It's God's kingdom. So uh, this is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples and it actually starts with uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And just honoring uh, the name of the Lord. And we still don't know how powerful that name is, but we're learning. But then the uh, second, uh, the next verse says, your kingdom come. This is Jesus telling us to pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm getting a little clear view of what this means because if we could look into heaven and see what is available to all the people in heaven and how God lives in heaven... That's exactly the way he wants us to live here on earth. Isn't that what it says? Is it the will of God to prosper? Well, is God, are people prospering in heaven? I mean, I think living in mansions, I think having all of your needs met, I think walking on streets of gold, it, ha <clears throat> it has to be God's will in heaven for, for the people to prosper in heaven. So, and, and is there any sickness or disease in heaven? Then it has to be God's will here on this earth that we live that way. It's God's will because Jesus said, and, and if Jesus was the very image of God and had the very heartbeat of God, which we know he did, then he is telling us something really important here about how God's what God's will is here on this earth. And you know, faith starts where we know what the will of God is. If you don't know what the will of God is, you cannot have faith for anything. So there's, uh, there's a lot in this verse that we need to think about. So the kingdom of God, and I kind of talked about it Sunday, how the kingdom of God uh, is it's invisible, Jesus said. You can't see it. But it is within us. It is among us and within us. So we know that it's the spirit realm. And we know that there's two spirit realms. And in the other spirit realm, the demonic spirit realm, there is a, the will of Satan is being done in the other realm. His will is being done on earth as he wants it to be done. And so we see what we see is the curse in this earth. So... First of all, we have established that God, according to Jesus, God wants his will done on earth. That's very comforting to me. Whenever we begin to find out what God's will is, 
So I want to start uh, with Proverbs, the 10th chapter, the 22nd verse. And I want to talk a little bit tonight about the blessing of God, that blessing of the Lord. So the blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. So when the Lord begins to bless, we're going to talk a little bit about the blessing tonight. When when, um, God begins to bless someone's finances, it says that the blessing of the Lord comes upon them to make them rich. Now the word rich just simply means abundantly supplied and to accumulate not diminish, but accumulate. So the blessing of the Lord causes us to accumulate. And it says he adds no sorrow with it. And that word sorrow means painful toil. He adds no painful toil with it. When he starts blessing your finances, if your finances increase, which is what he intends then it does not increase because you have toiled to make it increase. Now, he will give you ideas of how to to increase, but it is not painful toil, and it's not the toil itself that causes it to increase. It is the blessing of God on your finances. So, there's times that... uh, whenever you're starting to move into the financial realm of God, that God will show you things to do in order for you to prosper or to get out of debt or whatever it is. If his blessing is on on it, he will show you the path that he has to prosperity and to riches. And and when I say riches, I'm not saying he's going to make you a millionaire. I don't know. I hope he does make some of you a millionaire. I hope that he does it next week so that we can get this church, you know, paid debt-free, built debt-free. But um, it would be probably in 1978 or 79. It's not too long after Pastor Charlie and I moved to Guymon and started Victory Center. And we had actually been going just a little while. And Charlie decided he wanted to get his pilot's license. So, and at that time, it was, it was feasible and it was practical for him to have a pilot's license because he was, he was holding Bible studies different places and, and uh, an airplane would help, help him to be able to do what he needed to do without having to drive. And so he, he got his pilot's license, and then we started believing for an airplane. And we found an airplane in Stratford, uh, Texas, it was for sale. It was a Cessna 210, and they were asking, in those days, they were asking $15,000 for it. It was a used one, but it was very, very good, and um, it was exactly what we needed. So we went to the bank and we borrowed that $15,000 and got that airplane. And actually, just so you know how practical it was, Pastor Charlie would preach on Sunday morning, get in his airplane, fly over to, over to Kenton, land in an uh, airstrip in a pasture over there, hold a Bible study in the afternoon, jump back in the airplane and come back here and we'd have a Sunday night service. That was when he was young. And so, uh, <laughs> so we were praying about, we, we had set up the loan for um, the $15,000 loan that we, every September for three years, we would pay $5,000 and we would pay it off that way. So we wasn't paying it monthly. So in January of that, that first year, uh, we were praying and the Lord showed us what we needed to do to pay for that airplane. We, were, we had the church going at that time, but there was one person in the congregation that was giving us $100 every once in a while uh, for us personally, for Charles Mendenhall Evangelistic Association, rather than the church. 
And so uh, we felt like the Lord was showing us to take that $100 whenever he would give it and take it down to the bank and pay it on that note. So uh, we were faithful to do that. And by the time September rolled around on that first year, we had that airplane paid off. That's the blessing of the Lord. That comes without toiling. It was just an avenue. He showed us, you know, I taught a whole series on the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm tempted to reteach it because it helped me so much to know that when you're yoked up with Jesus and do things God's way, it's unforced and it is totally by grace. It's his ability working in us, help us to do what we can't do on our own. That's God's grace. And so uh, we begin to learn how the blessings of the Lord begins to work in a person's life. So I want to talk about uh, the very first time that blessing is talked about in the Bible. And I want to look at Genesis, the first chapter. Actually, before that, would you, you put up Proverbs 10, 22 again? Because I want to point something out to you. All right, it starts out the blessing of the Lord. You notice it doesn't say the blessings. It says the blessing of the Lord. God has a blessing. And he released that blessing in Genesis 1, 20, uh, starting in verse 28. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. Now, I want to stop there for just a minute because the bless, he's, he's, he's releasing a, the blessing upon mankind. And this blessing included being fruitful, this blessing included multiplying, and that's what the meaning of rich is, to accumulate. And the blessing is to, to uh, fill the earth and also use all of its vast resources to serve God. So he's saying all of the vast resources of the earth is part of the blessing. So God released the blessing when he created Adam and Eve. And then when sin came in, sin released the curse. And so now there are two ways to live in this earth. You can live blessed or you can live cursed. Blessed is better. Let me tell you, blessed is better. So I want to look at Genesis, um, the 12th chapter, and see how this begins to work out. This is the first man that um, God has called out for his own. So in verse 2 of chapter 12 of Genesis, God is talking to Abram. And he says this, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you with what? Abundant increase of favors. And I'm going to make your name famous and distinguished. And you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. Now, I want to just point out, we are looking into the very heart of God here. This is God's heart when he blesses people. He wants to bless you with abundance and increase of favors. He can even make you famous. I don't know if that's what we want, but um, distinguished would be good. Uh, but he says, you will be a blessing so you, you will be blessed so you can be a blessing. You will be blessed, Abram, so that you can be a blessing. And I, I shared this on Sunday, the little phrase, hope you will remember it. Give, 
receive, repeat. Give, receive, repeat. Do it over and over. Become a blessing. And then I didn't give this to Larry, I don't think, but the, um, or not Larry, uh, Martha, there you are. Uh, verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you to confirm prosperity or happiness upon you and curse him who curses you or uses insolent language toward you. In, you. in you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed and by you they will bless themselves. So he's just amplifying the fact that I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to, anybody that blesses you is going to move into my blessing. How powerful that blessing is. It begins to demonstrate itself outwardly in ways that the world can even recognize that you're blessed. And if you look in chapter 13, verse 2, we see that it's already starting to work in Abram's life. For it says, now Abram was extremely rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. So we're seeing the will of God being demonstrated here on earth, even as it is in heaven. God's will is for his people because Abram was the starting of a race or a spiritual race of people. And actually, in Galatians, the third chapter, verse 13, it says, Christ has purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, the doom of the law, and its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and is crucified. Verse 14, to the end, now that means this is the reason why. To the end, that through their receiving Christ Jesus. So I just want to ask you a question. Have you received Christ Jesus? I would dare say that everyone here has received Christ Jesus. So uh, through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't believe that just means a promise to receive the Holy Spirit. I believe it means every promise that the Holy Spirit promised to Abraham now belongs to us. That means we inherited a blessing. And let me say, the blessing is not a, just a benediction. Oh, Lord, bless them. The blessing, when God released that blessing, it was an endowment or it was an inheritance that he, he whenever he said, you will be blessed, he is saying all of the resources that I have are yours they are available to you so uh, what an inheritance we have and it's through Jesus and the interesting thing was I, I don't know if I will go to um, and read this whole portion of scripture but in Genesis 14 uh, this is the story of Abram that when he took his 318 trained servants and went and there was four kings that had attacked all of the areas around Sodom and Gomorrah and they'd taken everything from Sodom and Gomorrah, all the people, the, the resources, everything. They took them. And Abraham found out that they had taken Lot and all his family as well. And he, you know, he knew something that probably we don't know as well as we should, that when the blessing is on you, and you just have 318 serv trained servants, you can, you can defeat 
four kings and all of their armies. I would say that was quite a blessing. He will defeat your enemies before your face. And so here came Abraham with all of his servants and all of this stuff. I mean, all of these armies, I have, I have heard that when they went to war, they took all their wealth with them because they didn't have banks to leave them in back home. So they took it with them. And so whenever someone defeated a king, they had all of their riches and resources to take. And they were called spoils. So they took them. And so Abram came back. He had all of this stuff. And... Uh, First of all, he met uh, Melchizedek, who was the high priest of the Most High God, the Bible says. We don't know a whole lot about him, but he is what the Bible says he is. And Abraham recognized it. And he, Melchizedek blessed him in God's stead. And because of that, Abraham just took the tenth of everything and gave it to Melchizedek. Hmm, that sounds like the tithe to me, doesn't it? See, when you know that your blessings come from God, it's not hard to release the tithe. It's very easy. It's like that's the first check you write. You figure it up and that's the first check you write. Why? Because you know all of that blessing come from God and there is no end to God's blessing. No end. It, God will bless you until heaven runs out. In Malachi, that's what it means. He will bless you until heaven runs out of blessings. Do you think that's going to happen anytime soon? Or ever? I don't believe so. So Abraham knew where his blessing came from. So he turned loose of the tithe, and then the king of Sodom said, uh, you know, just, just give us the people back, our people back, but you can have all the wealth. And what did Abraham say? Uh-uh. I do not want anybody. I'm not even going to take your shoelace because I don't want anybody to think that you made me rich, that you are the one that blessed me. Because I want everybody to know it's God that blesses me. See how focused he was on the blessing? I mean, he had experienced the blessing. And now we can experience the blessing. You know, Joseph was kind of the same way. In uh, Genesis 39, it talks about uh, when, you know, the story of Joseph, I'm not going to go into it, but... He had a lot of strikes against him. His brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. I mean, that is not a really good situation. And he probably didn't feel like that the blessings of God was upon him at that time. But listen to what it says in Genesis 39, starting in verse 2. <clears throat> but the Lord was with Joseph. Now, I... You could underline that. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he, though a slave, was a successful and prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptians. Go ahead for verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to flourish and succeed in his hands. Verse 4. So Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight, and he served him, and his master made him supervisor over his house, and he put all that he had in his charge, verse 5, for the time that he made him supervisor of his house and over all that he had, from the time, excuse me, from the time that he made him supervisor in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the Lord's blessing was all, all that he had in the house and in the field. You see, God was with Joseph. And the blessings came and it splashed over on people around him. 
blessings can hardly be contained. You know, it would be good to find somebody blessed and hang around them. And perhaps do what they do. But the important part was this. Even though everything was against Joseph, God was with him. Now, God loves everyone, but God is not with everyone. Ephesians 2 tells us that. It says that there is a certain group of people that are without God in this world. But those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, God is with you. God is with you just as well as he was with Joseph. And he can make everything you do to prosper. Just, just like he did Joseph. We're born again people. We, God is not just with us. God is in us. Woohoo. We are the house of God. So, I want to look at uh, Isaiah 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, good, the good means, according to Hebrew, it means the best. Internalize that for a minute. He will cause you to eat the best of the land. And I don't mean it just means what you put in your mouth. I mean it means what you have. What you have is going to be the best. The blessing of God can give you the best. Not just barely getting along. I was trying to think of what Brother Higgins would say. Next to Grum, uh, barely getting along straight next to Grumble Alley. That's what he always said. Uh, that's not God's plan. You know, we are kings and priests unto God. In the New Testament, we are kings and priests. We are royalty. And you know, I don't think we should live beyond our means. But when the blessings come on you, it just gets better and better and better. And you have a right to believe for the best. That's what the Bible says. That's not what I'm saying. I agree with it. But that was, that's what the Bible says. The best of the land. And it is contingent upon if you are willing and obedient. So what does it mean to be willing? Well, I looked up the word in the Hebrew to see what me, well, willing means. Because if, if I'm not willing, I want to get willing. Uh, willing means to consent. You say, well, why wouldn't anybody consent to be eat of the good of the land? Because the devil has put so much bad propaganda out there, some people feel guilty when they prosper. And they know, know how to believe God for prosperity. You know, they may try to get it in the natural with painful toil. But that's not the way we get it. We get it by being willing. That means our mindset. If our, your mindset isn't that God blesses me, I am a blessed woman or I'm a blessed man, if that is not your mindset, Get willing, real quick. I remember Brother Hagin sharing that uh, he was reading this scripture one time and, and uh, he said, God, I've been obedient to you. I've preached the gospel. I've gone everywhere. I've, you know, my tires are worn out on my car. I don't barely have enough money to pay my rent or car, a house payment. I'm not sure what he had. But I, I no, just barely have enough to get along. And here you said that I could have the best of the land. Does this look like the best to you? And God said, that's not all of that verse. He said, you have been obedient, but you haven't been willing. And this is the way Brother Hagin always says it. He said, I got willing real quick. What does that mean? He changed his mindset. 
Instead of seeing himself as being uh, just barely getting along and, oh, God, please, oh, God, meet my needs, oh, God, help us. He began to see himself as prospering. He began to see himself eating the good of the land. And then coupled with his obedience, God began to bless him. Isn't that wonderful? That he says he will bless you if you be obedient. Sometimes obedience doesn't feel real good. But when you are obedient, what is it that you have to be obedient with? Well, I believe tithes and offerings. All we have to do is read Malachi and we find out that the reason they were cursed is because they had not given the tithe and the offerings. And see, uh, I just jotted down some things that the Holy Spirit uh, put in my heart. Your giving positions your heart for receiving. What you do with your money is a greater reflection of what is going on in your heart than anything else. And if you tithe and give offerings and are, are still not seeing your harvest, it's a faith problem. It's not on God's part. See, God's already released the blessing. And he's saying, you be obedient and you be willing. When you are obedient and willing, you will eat the good of the land. You will operate under the blessing. If you're willing and you're obedient. But uh, sometimes people can be obedient. And maybe, I don't know if they're willing but they are obedient, but they haven't got their mind set that God, God requires faith. We have to have expectation. That's part of being willing. Having expectation that God's going to meet your needs. Over and abundant what you could even ask or think. Have that expectation. That's what faith is. Uh, I, I read an example of George Mueller. I don't know if you know who he is, but... He had an orphanage um, uh, in Brist, I believe it was Bristol, um, England. And um, he cared for 10,000 orphans in his orphanages. And he didn't have a mailing list. He didn't have churches that, he, that could take up offerings for him. They didn't even have radios back in those days. The only way that, and he had no support other than what God would cause people to move on them to give to him. And uh, it was kind of word of mouth. And he had to believe God for the money to build the buildings, to house the children, plus money to pay the attendance salaries and the upkeep of the or orphanage properties. So he was solely responsible for these Hundreds of orphans. So he had to believe God. And uh, according to his calculation, he prayed in $7,500,000 in his lifetime. So today that would be equal to $135 to $157 million that he prayed in. And he makes this statement when he wrote, he wrote in his journal when he was 93 years old. When I first started praying and believing God, exercising, uh, in other words, to exercise his faith or using his measure of faith, which we all have the measure of faith. He said, when I first started praying and believing God, it took all the faith I had to believe God for one American dollar. But after feeding and exercising my faith daily for 50 years, I could believe God for $1 million just as easily as I could believe for $1 50 years before. The message from Reverend Mueller is this. Faith has to grow. If you're not going to be faithful... In believing God for the small amount. 
you're not going to be able to believe God for the million. You've got to start where your faith is to believe God. And he will honor you. Um, I remember uh, hearing Brother Hagin share uh, when he was in evangelistic work traveling around from church to church. And that was, that was where he got his financial backing. And he, uh, this was, I don't know, it was years ago. It was probably in the 1930s, 40s, somewhere in that time, way back then. And he, they were just barely getting along. And this is when he had this conversation that I told you about earlier about being willing and obedient. And then he said, uh, you know, Brother Hagin was a man that had many visions and had visitations from Jesus a lot of times. And he was, he was the father of those, you know, father of us that are learning how to believe God. And he, uh, the, the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, I don't want you to ever pray for finances again. And he said, but how am I going to get the money if I can't pray and ask you for it? And he, at that time, he would go into churches and they would give him like uh, maybe $50 or, you know, that would probably be a big offering in those times. And um, so he said, well, how, how, how do I get finances? You just tell me. And God began to speak to him and he, gave, he told him how to do this. And I think I've shared this before, but I want to re renew your mind tonight because... Um, we're going through a time right now that we're believing God individually and as a church. And so the Lord told Brother Hagin, don't ever pray for finances again. All the finances you need are in the earth right now. And then he reminded him of Haggai 2, 7, and not, 7 through 9. Would you throw that up there just a minute? says, I will shake all nations, and the desire and the precious things of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house with its successor, successor, successor to which Jesus came shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace and prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. So, so the Lord said, the silver and the gold are mine. They belong to me. So Jesus, uh, Jesus said to Brother Hagin, uh, all the silver, all the gold, all the finances that you have need of is in this earth. Now Satan has confiscated it and he will hold it back. And he says, so this is what I want you to do. From now on, he said, I want you to determine how much you need. Before you, you know, before you do this, write down, determine what you need. Then say this, Satan, so just in this situation, um, he needed like $156, I think it was, to meet all of his needs from this, that, the next church that he went to so he uh, Jesus said to him okay I want you to say I claim a hundred and fifty six dollars Satan take your hands off my money angels ministering spirits I command you to go in Jesus name and bring that money to me that's what Jesus told him to do so he did that Long story short, when he went to this next meeting, he told the pastor, he says, I don't want you to make any pull for money. I don't, because normally they would take like an hour to try to get people to pledge. I'm going to give this much, I'm going to give this much, and they'd get raised maybe $50. He said, I don't want you to make a pull. I just want you to take up the offering and don't say anything about it. Just say, this is going to go to Brother Hagin. And he said, at the end of that meeting, he had I think there was a few dollars more than 156. And the pastor said, I don't understand this. We have never had this kind of offering before. So he proved it to be true. So uh, that's the way we operate in faith. That's the way we operate in God's economy. You know, Philippians 4.19 says, My God 
will supply all your needs according to what? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I just want to remind you whose economy we're operating in. I don't want to operate in the economy that's out there. Especially right now when we're building a church, people would say, this is crazy. We are not operating in the world's economy. We're operating in God's economy according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. And what are we believing God for? Do y'all know what we're believing God for as a church? Okay. I, I've, what I'm hearing is accurate. We're believing for $1.5 million in cash to come in. We're believing that the assets we have, this church, the youth building, and then we have 232 acres of land north of town that uh, we can either sell or develop, whichever is the most practical. But that our assets plus the point the five, $1.5 million will pay for our church debt-free. So that's what we're believing for. And we will be taking up an offering on November the 6th. Now, we have been encouraging you to believe God for however much he tells you to give. So tonight, we're going to do something. Uh, I need Dean. Uh, would you and Larry just come up here and... Um, would you pass out these pieces of paper? I didn't trust y'all to have your own paper. So just uh, pass out one to every person here. Hopefully y'all have pens. Because this is what I want you to do. You know, I've been asking you to, what, what are you going to believe God for? For this offering. Now I can tell you, whatever you give in this offering... God's blessing is going to come on you. And our church is blessed. I just want you to know, Victory Center is a blessed church. We're blessed coming out. We're blessed going in. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed in everything we set our hand to do. He gives us a surplus of prosperity. We lend and we don't borrow. We're the head and not the tail. That's Victory Center. That's what we're believing for. So, um, do y'all have your paper? Okay, most of you do. So, when you get your paper, now, this is, I hope you have prayed about it. If you haven't, just quietly ask the Lord, don't put down a million dollars if you don't have a million dollar faith. Don't even put a thousand dollars if you don't have thousand dollar faith. Put what you can believe God for. Believing God means knowing that he will do it. Faith is knowing. Faith is an assurance, the Bible said. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So if you don't have assurance that that's what you can believe for, don't put down a large amount. Just put down what God tells you that you have faith to believe for. Because what we're going to do is we're going to do exactly what God told Brother Hagin to do. We're going to believe God. So I'm going to write my amount down. And I absolutely know that I will get it. Absolutely, for sure. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to give you just a couple more minutes to write down. If you can just believe for 50, that's, that's a good place to start. I mean, I, I would like for you to set your, high, your sights high, but I want God to prove himself faithful in this to you. So then when he gives it to you and you think, oh my goodness, I've got this money. I could pay this bill or that bill. I uh, don't, okay? Don't use it to pay your bills with. Plant it as seed. And expect the harvest. Okay, does everybody have your amount written down that wants to believe God for finances? You don't have a pen? Somebody give Laura a pen. 
Oh, you don't have a pen either? Okay, anybody that does not have a pen, lift, their ha lift your hand. Okay. Oh, these poor penless people. I've got four in my purse. If you still don't have one, I will give you one of mine. Anybody now not have a pen? Or access to one? Okay. We've got a community pen going around. Oh, good. <laughs> Did everybody get a pen that works? <laughs> okay, everybody got your mount written down? Okay? Okay, let's stand. And I want you to just hold your paper. You don't have to show it to anybody. Because I'm going to have you take it home with you and thank God for it every day. Between now and November the 6th. <clears throat> so, Father, we just want to thank you for the blessing that is upon these people. Lord, we're just so excited to understand what this blessing is all about. It's according to your riches, and we can believe you for finances to come. And Lord, you know what we're believing for, for our church. And so we're all setting ourselves in agreement right now in regard to what we're believing God for, what we're believing you for, Lord. $1.5 million dollars. We're believing you. We're also believing you that these assets that we have will sell at top market dollar. Amen. And Father, we just want to thank you in advance that we have it. And so all of these parts, this is the way that, we, that your kingdom works. Your people come together as one and they are the source. They are the channels by which you meet needs in the body of Christ. They, they are like Abraham that you bless so they can be a blessing. So each one of us here tonight, Father, we have written down and determined what we're believing you for, for this building fund offering. And so right now, we claim, and just under your breath, you claim that. Father, I claim So you heard all of our voices. We're claiming this right now. So in the spirit realm, we make this demand. Satan, you take your hands off of our money. It is our right to have it. It belongs to God. You take your hands off now. In Jesus' name. And we say, go, ministering spirits. Go, ministry. Just, just uh, repeat that after me. Go, ministering spirits. And cause this amount to come to me. Thank you. Father, I have it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We do have it. We receive it. We see it as done. And we thank you, Father, that that building is paid for. Hallelujah. Oh, God, it's going to be such a blessing. Such a blessing to us. Such a blessing to the body of Christ. It's going to be a blessing to this community. Father, it will be an instrument for the harvest. This building will uh, demonstrate your glory. And in this building, people will be born again, filled with the Spirit. They're going to be delivered, set free, healed. It's going to be a magnificent testimony of your power and your anointing. And Lord, it will expand and grow and we will reach. We will reach this com community and we will reach around the world. We're already touching people in many different countries, but it will be more and more and more. And Father, we just want to thank you in advance. Our faith is in you, our trust is in you, and we believe that we receive in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So, get ready. Get ready. And we will have, I, as soon as you get the money that you believe for 
I would love for you to tell me. You don't have to tell me how much. Just tell me that you've got it. Okay? Well, Father, we just right now thank you for this service tonight. We thank you for every person that came out. We thank you for the people that's watching online. And by the way, you people online, I hope you did the same thing. And I hope you uh, wrote down what you're believing God for. But Father, we thank you that your word is powerful. It's true. And you back it up 100%. And Lord, we just want to thank you for the blessing. We live in the blessing. We operate in the blessing. And we thank you for the blessing. Now, Father, as your people go tonight, we just declare that we are in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. We say of you, O oh Lord, you are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are our God. It's in you that we trust. A thousand can fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it does not come near us. In the secret place of the Most High, you give your angels charge over us to protect us and keep us in all our ways, to lift us up lest we dash our foot against a stone. No evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And before you're dismissed, I just want to say this. You saw the picture of my car on Sunday. That crashed car? Do you know I live under the blessing? Parked out there in pastor parking is my new car. And hallelujah. hallelujah. It's also paid for. So the blessing is so, and it's better than the other one. <laughs> it's newer and it's better. Hallelujah. And so, I mean, <laughs> this is what, this is the, what the Lord showed me. He said, Margaret, the devil tried to kill you with that wreck. But I took advantage of it to bless you. Isn't that the way God works? Hallelujah. Okay, go your way. Be blessed. You know what that means now. Be blessed. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.